Hey, hi everybody and welcome to The Political Takeaway. I'm Siobhan Benita. I'm Oliver here, Bishop. Hello, Oliver. I've seen you've been doing something very, very special. I've seen you popping up in a Gucci advert. What's all uh, I know, I'm, I'm official now, Siobhan. It's all <laughs> Gucci for me. Yeah, no, no, actually, I have to say it's not Gucci. So it was Gucci Fest. So okay. I have to give props to my, my very good friend Priya, Priya Aluwalia. And she has an amazing brand called Aluwalia Studios, which is, it blends like South Asian and African uh, art and design and yeah. culture together to create this really nice, beautiful London-centric design. But they've been blowing up. And so Gucci commissioned, I think, 14 or 15 designers from around the world to create short films about the kind of the culture and heritage behind their brands. And right. so hers was about black identity and black culture. So she got me and asked me and a couple of my friends to do some muscle ups and shit like uh-huh. that for the video. It's cool, yeah, I'm official yeah, now. Yeah, I saw, I saw a few snippets of it on Instagram. It looks really yeah. good. So you're not going to uh-huh. disappear and go off into like some fashion modeling career, are you? I mean, listen, I'll take one phone call from Gucci and I'll disappear when I'm online to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you know what? I tell you what, some, mm. somebody who isn't so good at the old photo opportunities this week, <laughs> did you see Rudy Giuliani? <laughs> Rudy with the can't understand how to use just for men properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anything so embarrassing. I mean, I just awful. I was, I mean, there's two things, I guess. One is the fact that the party gop you know the republicans they haven't still haven't admitted that trump's lost the election but i mean literally to look so ridiculous to have like hair dye dripping down your face while you're trying to lie to the entire nation about that election just kind of summed it up in such a brilliant lovely way it's just like a parody of himself now isn't it like yeah just First of all, it was the Borat film where he's doing all God knows what, no. and now he's got dye dripping down his face whilst he tries to say that black votes don't count. So if this, the black people didn't vote in Dade County in Detroit, then we would have won the election. Yeah, it's very, like very... the kind of evil is literally oozing out of his face. It's just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just that's just the kind so of evil. Yeah. I'll tell you what is a bit scary, though, is the fact that... Um, a lot of these senior Republicans and figures from the party, it's almost like a call to arms now, isn't it? It's like a will, we're going to, you know, keep control of this country. We're not going to, we're not going to accept the results of this election at any cost. And that does scare me because, I mean, I've always thought, I think there'll be civil rest in this country when the reality of Brexit kind of unfolds. But it's that with guns like all over the place and I just mm. that's so scary yeah but you know like it's scary but I don't know why anyone feels like no one should be surprised because it's not like at any point in the Trump's years has he not pandered to those types of people and galvanized them and got them ready for moments like this you know you got the proud boys running around god knows how many white terrorists they called a militia killed people lynched people ran people yeah. over over these past four years so these guys have been getting ready and now we'll see what's going to happen but oh. yeah this is not a surprise to anyone this is trump has literally told us exactly what yeah he's going to do and he's not smart enough to beat around the bush he just he just says that shit 
I mean, so, yeah. I know I know. normally I'm the kind of more optimistic, upbeat one in this podcast, but I do. the reason I worry so much is, one, obviously it's not nice to see what's going on, see the division over there, but I always think whatever happens in America ends up, we get a version of it over here in the UK um, with a little bit of delay. And I do think as we transition, which I think we will do more towards a kind of centrist or a centre-left government, next time hopefully and as as i said as the reality of brexit kicks in and we realize that that right-wing project has been a complete lie from the start that half of this country aren't going to know what to do with their anger you know because they, they've been lied to they've been manipulated they will a lot of them won't accept that and there's all of this anger a lot of it built around race and lies about immigration um, and so I do think there's a, an issue about what will happen in this country as well. I agree. And the more I think about it, the more parallels I see, as you say, you know, the parallels between the US and us being influenced by what happens over there, as we had in the 80s with neoliberalism, with mm. Reagan and Thatcher mm. and all of the horrific things that happened in the US, the war on drugs, the mm. you know, incarceration rates, all of that that happened to poor communities, work class communities, black communities in America, we saw over here. You know, yeah. even examples where we started taking the, the language that they had over there, like mugging, which was yeah. started used for black criminals to give an idea that there was a black person that was doing this violent robberies. We started using the same terms yeah. over here. So, you know, it's that kind of taking the worst of American mm. politics that we're going to see again because we've got the yeah. worst kind of president in America at yeah. the moment and the worst kind of president here in the UK. Yeah. Prime Minister, sorry. So, yeah, so... Hopefully, I guess hopefully on the positive side of that, the fact that Biden will be in place once once they've kind of dragged Trump kicking and streaming out of the White House, <laughs> hopefully we'll also get the best bits of American politics coming over here. So, you know... But Biden's got a lot of work to do. And already I'm seeing issues in how he's building up his teams. He needs more diversity in those teams. He needs to take on the agendas that he, you know, promised in. Yeah. In the so Biden looks very promising, obviously going to be better than, far better than. Not appointed any of his family as far as I know yet. It's which not... is always, always a positive. Yeah. <laughs> positive. Yeah. but no let's see let's see hopefully biden yeah. can do that and hopefully we get rid of these fools over here yeah. and we run some new people and then we're good talking of getting rid of fools yeah it's anti-bullying week <laughs> and um you wouldn't know it would you over here because there's just been this long-awaited report into pretty patel's behavior um in the home office um over which the permanent secretary philip rutnam resigned several months ago and that report has finally well it's not even going to see the light of day apparently so the public aren't going to see it but what's clear from the news is that um, Alex Allen who was leading the investigation into her behavior did say that she clearly did break the ministerial code that her behavior did amount to bullying of um, civil servants and wasn't acceptable and yet Boris Johnson who commissioned that investigation has basically turned around and said, oh, no, I don't think it does constitute a break of the ministerial code because she didn't know she was doing it. Nobody told her it was unintentional. So because she was an unintentional bully, that's it. End of story. As far as he's concerned, no more action needed. Let's move on. 
I, honestly, I have no words. I wish unintentional bullying was something that would fly in court. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unintentionally. Um, <laughs> yeah, unintentionally did all sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like when they said they, they're going to break the law, but only in a specific and limited way. Yeah. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Alternative. Yeah. A way of seeing the truth. Yeah. But just because I think maybe our listeners don't spend as much time in the civil service as you have and do. Yeah. Why is this so, in your opinion, monumentally bad? Fuck. Yeah. So there are so many things here to unpack, I think. But fundamentally, I think a lot of people don't understand the role of the civil service and what the civil servants do. And essentially civil servants are in the UK are impartial. So they don't belong to a political party. And once you get into kind of middle management and upwards, you can't um, publicly be political in any way. You can't align or um, you can't campaign for a political party. You can't align with any particular um, type of partisan politics. Your role is to support the ministers that are democratically elected and to give objective evidence-based advice, right? And even that in itself means that civil servants come into a lot of grief because if policies go well, then the ministers take the credit. If policies go badly, ministers tend to blame, or, or more recently, they tend to blame civil servants because they can say, well, the advice we were given was bad. But fundamentally, why the civil service in this country works well, that impartial civil service, is it's built on mutual trust and respect between the ministers and civil servants. And what we've seen, I think, under this administration coming in is a relentless undermining of that respect of the civil service. And we had it with Dominic Cummings, basically, and it was like a kid. He was like a little kid because he couldn't get his way, because the civil servants wouldn't just roll over and say, you can do what you want. Because they were doing their job of speaking truth unto power, and in particular when it came to things like Brexit, saying this is not a good use of public money, these different things that you're trying to do. And that's ultimately permanent secretaries of every part department are responsible for the money in that department and how it's spent. They're the, they're the accounting officers, the public accounting officers. So if they think that something... Uh, ministers asking to do something that isn't a, a good use of public money that's going against all the objective advice they're given they will still do it but they they issue what they call a direction so they basically put it on the record and say look we against our advice you still want to do this you ministers we we are here to serve you so we will go ahead and do it and there have been more of those directions issued recently than ever before and I think that's what really pisses off people like Dominic Cummings because they're so got this sense of entitlement they should be allowed to do whatever they want with no challenge that they don't see that as a professional behavior they they then basically put out this narrative that civil servants are blocking everything that they want to do that they're not good at their jobs that they're not professional that they're not smart enough they don't understand the genius of people like Dominic Cummings and all of this especially yeah and then that you know, and he blogged about it and they did speeches about it. That then combined with ministers like Priti Patel, who by all accounts now have just been awful in terms of how they treat junior members of staff. And these are quite junior members of staff, apparently, who she's been bullying. 
you just get a breakdown in that whole process. And that, why it's so important is that ultimately then will lead to ineffective government. It will lead to bad policy, even worse policy than we're getting under this government anyway. And it's crucial at the moment, we're in the middle of a pandemic where civil servants up and down the country, and again, I think people think of civil servants as only being in Whitehall. Civil servants are also the people that have been um, keeping um, job centres, you know, keeping um, benefits going. They've had to adapt all of those systems to the pandemic world. They've had to make sure everything can be done on a digital platform. They've had to change all of the things where they've been tweaked by Rishi Sunak and everything. They've been working bloody hard behind the scenes. They, you know, they are also part of that workforce that hasn't stopped during the pandemic. And at the same time, they've been asked to deliver Brexit, right? which is just the biggest shakeup of regulation, legislation, which is all down to civil servants to have to try and make that work yeah, mm. behind the scenes. They're being asked to do all of that by the very same set of people that's bullying them and telling them they're rubbish all the time. Also, you're asking for the, the competence of people that think the way to tackle knife crime is with chicken boxes. Exactly. Uh-huh. So you have to do your job every day, work hard. Be exactly. Work, and then Dominic Cummings goes in the news, tells them that the whole civil service is shit. Your yeah. leader comes in, shouts and screams at junior staff, but then tells them to go make some black chicken boxes and send them out yeah. to every shop in the country yeah. to make sure they two kills each other. Yeah. That's madness. Yeah, it is total madness. I mean, so if we talk about Boris Johnson and the government and their record on firing, because, you know, of course, when you fuck up as a minister, the idea of ministerial code is that if you break these rules, you're essentially on the line, right? You go in, you have a meeting with the prime minister, he says, this is no longer tenable, you're going to have to go. Maybe people forget about it in a few weeks if it's a bit shady and they'll hire you back again again, you like they did with Gavin Williamson because he broke the code and then Gavin I didn't remember what it was about but he broke the code and then he was yeah. and we'll talk about pretty in a second but if we just look at the record for Boris Johnson you know there's 50,000 people died of coronavirus not yeah. one person because of it Dominic Cummins our favourite guy has broke lockdown rules in a historic yes. probably resulted in even more deaths no one's been fired over it Robert Jenerick, my favourite person, and I mean that sarcastically, I don't want that to be disliked this strongly, but I mean, he's trying to help his Tory donors save 40 million quid or his Stronger Towns Fund that went to all Tory boroughs, you know, that, still in his job, still on TV every single day, 18 billion pounds in dodgy PPE contracts, everyone's still got their job, and now there's actual bullying, like actual physical bullying, and so no one gets in trouble. I mean, like, they take this whole no snitching thing to a whole yeah. different level. And this is something that, you know, in the street, yeah. everyone says, no snitching, don't tell them your friends. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I mean, I know yeah. kids are out of school for this kind of stuff, but as both for this. Yeah, and look at the example this is setting, that you yeah. behave this way and there is no, absolutely no accountability. But the frustrating thing, I think, um, for me and for, I think, lots of people now that are starting to look at this and dig a bit deeper is... Are ministers, any public appointment actually, not just ministers, but they're supposed to be held to account to this list of what are called the Nolan principles of public life. Hmm. They include things like integrity, honesty, leadership in the public interest and accountability, right? That's just four of them. Well, our prime minister, 
I don't think many people would disagree who are listening to this podcast, does not tick any of those boxes, right? Broken all of those, doesn't meet those public standards, those principles of, of public standards, right? Where's the sanction? Where's the kind of teeth of anything that will hold him to account on this? And the problem that we have is, so there's one issue about the ministerial code being breached by other MPs, where ultimately, as we've seen with Priti Patel, it's the, it's the Prime Minister himself who gets mm. to decide whether there are consequences. Well, that doesn't work if your Prime Minister is the biggest liar-in-chief of all of them, right? And actually, yeah, and actually what's worse is he can't fire any of his cabinet members for lying because he knows they can all turn around and say, well, you've lied even more. So there is this terrible bond of like, you know, reciprocal kind of evilness, you know. I'll keep you in post, you keep me in post, and basically we're immune now to anything. We've got to keep each other in it because we're all so bad, you know. So that's awful. But when it comes to like other public appointments and to the Prime Minister himself, there is this committee called the Committee of Standards in Public Life. I have no idea what they're doing. Because as far as I can tell, we have seen repeatedly, you just mentioned some of them there, breaches of the ministerial code. We've seen, we've literally seen our prime minister stand up and lie time after time after time in our parliament, in the mother of all parliaments with no consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, and we've, we've seen how dangerous that can get as we were just saying in America, when you lie so many times to the public and you gaslight them so many times, you can then, after after four years of it, turn around and say, I won an election, but obviously you didn't win, but nearly 70 million people will believe it because you've lied so much. And that's my worry that this is what's happening here. And all those checks and balances that we have in the civil service and in the government, they only stand up to kind of a test because we expect the right guardians to be in place to be upholding those checks and balances. And we don't so, at the moment. So before this, we were just talking about the recall, recall of MPs Act, which is something that came in by yeah. your man, Nick Clegg. Nick Clegg, yes, see? Clegg. The Lib Dems brought in some good stuff. <laughs> I'm really not a fan of Nick Clegg. But yeah, so he brought in, in 2015, he brought in this recall of MPs Act, which meant that if, correct me if I'm wrong, but if 20% of an MP's constituency say they no longer support him, then or her, then that person yeah. would lose their seat, essentially, or they'd have to go into re-election. Yeah. So I think it's, I'm not sure what the exact percentage is, I think it's around that. Yeah, if that many people in your constituency, so constituents, say they want a recall, then it forces a by-election. Okay. So, I mean, firstly, if you're in Pretty Patel's constituency, you guys got some work to do. Get yeah. her out of it. But yeah. more so, do you think then, given that there's been a process from 2015 to start bringing into policy and into law ways to police, I guess, for want of a mm. better word, parliamentarians and the government. Mm. Is there more that needs to be done, do you think? Are we missing a step here where Boris Johnson, as you said, can just lie all day, his team can lie all day, they don't get fired until he gets fired and they yeah. won't get fired. So, yeah, something needs to, do you think something needs to be done here? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, so you've only got to see I said that, so Priti Patel, when this was going on, when this bullying was going on, 
Um, it was raised by several people. It was raised in the department she was in before. So this isn't a one-off. This unintentional bullying has been happening for a long time. It was also um, raised in DFID when she was there. And in the Home Office, the Permanent Secretary resigned over this because he started to challenge her behaviour. And then there was a whole campaign against him, which um, I, I think the um, sense at the time was that she was behind that. I, I'm not entirely sure on the details there, but there was a real breakdown of kind of trust there. But you look at other things that have happened. This is not just a one-off with Priti Patel either. This whole behaviour of ministers being unacceptable. So we had the, you know, the the withdrawal bill where Boris Johnson got his entire um, parliamentary party to vote to break international law, even though he'd forced them to all say that they would vote for that bill at the general election. So they basically he forced them to sell their soul twice. Right on the back of that, the civil service chief lawyer resigned, Jonathan Jones, because this was just such an awful thing to do. I don't know if people remember before Kim Darrock, who was the UK ambassador to New York. Um, he resigned because when documents that he'd been sending back to number 10 about Trump's behaviour were leaked, oh, Boris Johnson didn't support him. You know, Boris Johnson basically threw him under the bus. So he also resigned. The cabinet secretary himself, the most senior civil servant in the country, resigned earlier this year because of everything that was going on. And I think all of the things around Dominic Cummings that were being said, but also around Priti Patel, just the whole mess of it all. And now, today, unbelievably, you've got Sir Alex Allen, who was asked to do this investigation into the first place, who's the, who's the PM's independent advisor into the ministerial code, felt he had to resign because he did the investigation. He said she'd broken the code. And, and the Prime Minister just said no. Don't care. Don't think she did break the code. It's a pattern of behaviour. And I think it shows in a way that I can never remember happening in the civil service. Mm. That the only recourse for a lot of these senior civil servants is to show their integrity through leaving the entire system. Yeah. And that can't be right because we, we're losing really valuable people and really experienced people who, as I said, in these challenging times when you've got climate change crisis, Brexit, pandemic, we need to keep the really good people that we have in the civil service. So, I mean, one of the one of the most obvious things that you could do is remove the decision making from ministers and the prime minister. If somebody breaks the ministerial code, there should be a separate process. So really, the decision should have maybe started and stopped with Alex Allen. You know, there should have been an independent inquiry. and They should have decided whether Priti Patel kept her job or not. But yeah. It's funny because... I mean, you say there's there's no modern present for what what's happened here, and even Priti Patel is not separate to that modern president because when Theresa May was prime minister for her her short stint, it was Priti Patel that went to Israel and said it was a holiday, but really she was secretly meeting with yeah. politicians and business people. And then when Theresa May gave her a call and said, "Mate, like, are you meeting politicians over there?" she was like, "No, I'm not." It's, I'm not doing it. I'm just here on a holiday. Yeah. Of course, they found out that's far from the truth. She was lying. She came back to the came back to London. First thing she did was had to go to Downing Street. Got fired. So even Priti Patel is very aware of how ministerial conduct works. Yeah. What happens when you break it? And she felt so emboldened in this new government that she could just go completely back into her old 
behaviors or say old behaviors or consistent behaviors yeah. and now she's being protected which i think is such a, a strong example of just how bad this government is and just how far they've taken our yeah. democracy and politics and parliament into this the, yeah. the whole new world that we're in at the moment yeah. where there's no recourse yeah. no challenge and the biggest issue probably for people like you and i is that the labor party is so far from this equation at the moment bickering over jeremy corbyn and all their internal nonsense and the tories have years and years to go until they even have to think about a general election so they're just going to do whatever they want no one can say shit and the labor party is just moving further and further away from any kind of credible opposition and that's a scary that's a scary uh, i mean how maddening is that in this week where there are so many ways that the opposition could have landed some real blows on our government. They've yet again been embroiled in an internal battle around Jeremy Bloody Corbyn. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's sucking up all of their time, their bandwidth, their energy, their focus. And we need that opposition more than ever before at the moment because we've got the most useless, lying clown of a government that we've ever had. And the shot should it should be like it should be easy for the whole you to be tapping yeah. them in to be simple and i mean there's so many things so still on the civil service sorry this is going to be me banging on on this podcast go, go. on this right it's not even just the behavior of people and it's not even the lies so the nao brought out a report a couple of days ago about the contracts for ppe that we've seen right there was that story earlier in the week about one of the contracts that had gone to some jeweler who then hired a mate of his in Spain or something to be a go-between. I mean, it is. I tweeted. It's like bloody asking Boise and Del Boy, do you know what I mean? Like, to do this stuff for you because they're your mates kind of thing. £28 million they were mm. given. That's just unbelievable. And I mean, the NAO, I mean, it's quite, the problem is we're so outraged by so many things at the moment that these reports aren't getting the kind of coverage that they deserve, really. But the NAO report clearly said that this government is not following due process when it comes to awarding contracts. There's Mm -hmm. this really shocking discovery that they created this, what they call VIP channel for tenders for people who they already knew who had political um alliances with the with the conservative party and they were fast tracked so they were 10 times more likely to get contracts and 10 billion pounds worth of contracts were awarded essentially to friends of the tories can you just quickly explain to our listeners why that vip channel is so criminal because of course this is this is our money we're spending right so yes so so basically this is as you say this is taxpayers money and the normal procedure, which has been the same for years and years and years, and it's audited by the National Audit Office, is for big contracts. And these are huge, these contracts that we're talking about. They go through what's called a competitive tender. So if you think you are capable of delivering a product or you can run a project that the government has put out to tender, then you put forward your pitch, you put forward your bid, and you should be able to competitively Um, apply for that pot of money to deliver a certain service. And essentially what the Conservatives did by fast-tracking, putting this VIP stream in place, which I've never heard of before, it's not at all in any due process, they basically said, we will give our mates, because the VIP channel was for companies, organisations, individuals by the look of it, 
that had some kind of connection to the Conservative Party. They were fast-tracked through that process, and the NAO, through their investigation, said anyone on that fast-track was 10 times more likely to be given, to be awarded the contract. So that's public money, taxpayer money, going to Tory party-aligned companies and individuals and friends. I can't remember anything like this before. And you're right, I mean, that's just shocking beyond you know, belief, really. And that, that coupled with what we were talking about last week, we mentioned you and me meeting David Goodhart, who, mm. you know, who was then now given a, an appointment by Boris Johnson to sit on the Equalities and Human Rights Commission. Another thing that's really worrying is how many friends and political appointments this government are making to what should be non-political posts. Yeah. You know, and... All of this stuff combined just means we are seeing a period that I cannot explain how bad it is that is undermining the very democracy that the Conservative Party claim they are all for supporting. And yet, by bit, they are pulling it apart. And they pray that the word democracy can be used in so many different ways. I mean, I guess what they're essentially doing is politicising all of the public arena and the public space. And that was what I imagine that part of the civil service reforms would be is to politicize the civil service mm. in a particular way. So the lasting damage that they're going to have on our democracy and our public life is going to be drastic. Mm. And it's just why it's so important that the Labour Party stops with this bullshit yeah. and is able to call them up on their nonsense because yeah. they're literally running away with this. They're just yeah. running away with it and there's not anyone, like the Labour Party is not, they're so far from it being a potential government that all they care about is how they look to the yeah. public and not about what their role is supposed to be, which is an opposition to government. That means they need to spend the time scrutinising government in everything yeah. that they're doing. Are they getting dragged left and right? How does this particular opinion look to the polls? You know, can I get people up north to support me if I say the yeah. X, Y, Z? Exactly. does not matter yeah. if you have a government that is able to appoint political individuals into public roles. Yeah. That is crazy. And it, it's not even like this is they're doing it once or twice and you could kind of quit. This is everywhere. It's ubiquitous. Yeah. To it's, it's like yeah. a real toxic mix of we have a government who is prepared to lie, cheat, steal, say whatever's necessary to drive forward their ideological kind of um, objectives. None of those cabinet ministers are there because they're competent. They're there because they swore that they would support Boris Johnson in his lie of a Brexit, right? That's the only reason they're there. So more than ever, you need competent, effective civil servants and the machine around them to mitigate that, right? What they're doing is they're basically removing that level of competence as well by saying we only want to surround ourselves by yes people. So nobody's going to tell them that what they're doing is damaging. Nobody's going to tell them that what they're doing is breaking the law because they are pulling away all of those checks and balances. So then it becomes even, even more important that you have an opposition that can do that kind of check and balance and hold them to account. And like you say, we've got an opposition at the moment that's obsessed with its internal bloody civil war that's going on 
And so we have this toxic mix in the moment, which is allowing Boris Johnson to get away with everything. And there is no consequence. And he can see that. I mean, if you ask any rapper or musician if they should have all yes, when they have all yes men in their circle and they make some music and the music ends up being shit, they publish the music, everyone just cussed them out. Yeah. First thing he goes back and get these yes men out of my office, yeah. mate. They are destroying my career. These yeah. guys are destroying the country with their yes men. Yeah. And there is not a single one that's ever going to lose their job because yeah. of it. That seems fucking crazy. Yeah. And then beyond that, I mean, we haven't even gone into the rest of the news. Like, we all clapped for the NHS over the summer, but they're all going to face a public sector pay yeah. freeze. That's a stab in the back if I ever did yeah. see one. So they just use people, to usually the people that we needed most. You know, we kept saying, key workers, key workers. Yeah. Now we're just going to cut their, their, yeah. their pay. Once again, despite the fact we did that for eight years during austerity, and that was supposed to be over, according to Theresa May, or yeah. that the government, whilst refusing or having to be forced to pay or to feed poor children, they were willing to shell out 18 billion or whatever yeah. it was on military hubris. Yeah. Any yeah. plans, any kind of understanding of what role we need to have in the world, any strategy yeah. about our role in the world, the most very crucial time at the moment. This idea that we are, you know, Boris Johnson wants to be seen as the church or, you know, I'm going to get the Navy yeah. all over the place. No one gives a shit about small island Britain. We need to look yeah. again internally and save people internally. You know, veterans are on the street right now, mm-hmm. homeless, talking about the importance of the military providing jobs. What happens when those yeah. jobs are done? So you can't keep having wars just to pay people. Yeah. So, yeah, so in those, all of this that's happening at the moment, there's just nothing that we, I mean, hey, glass half empty, Siobhan, sorry, but like, <laughs> what, what are we to be hopeful for in our politics at the moment when we can't even have an opposition to challenge these things yeah. that happen to our most vulnerable people every day whilst we're wasting billions and billions of pounds of taxpayers' money, Prime Minister trying to model himself after Winston Churchill, the damn fool, and then all of a sudden now we're, I mean, yeah. I think you've been, you've been unfair there. Oh, you see the, whole the whole announcement on defence, I think you've missed one big, <laughs> is it includes a lot of money for a space force, a bit like <laughs> a cyber kind of thing. Uh, come on, they did say everybody's new job would be in cyber, right? So they have to they no, create those jobs somehow. <laughs> this is, you know, after telling all the ballet dancers that they're going to retrain in cyber, they had to create some cyber jobs somewhere. So <laughs> that's what this is about. Oh, fantastic news. Isn't that something great <laughs> to end on, isn't it? Fatima's going to be in space as the rest of us back on Earth. Yeah. Actually, there's another bit of good news. I'm going to, this is a good way to end on, I think. Did you see, I bet you didn't see this. I bet you didn't see the interview with Dolly Parton on the one show. You're in love with Dolly Parton right now. Dolly Parton had, honestly, she's been like one of those surprise kind of um, uh, things for me this year. And I didn't really know much about Dolly Parton before, but actually apparently she gave a million pounds of her own money to the... um, initial stages of the one of the vaccines that's now really really successful and um they just did this really nice interview with her and it and she was like surrounded by christmas trees and everything in her home like it was really festive and i thought yeah that's what we all need a bit of dolly parton and a bit of christmas kind of um christmas stuff to keep us feeling upbeat at the moment no that's true that's true i'm ready for christmas i'm ready for christmas yeah me too we'll come next week with more positive energy We haven't spoken about this off, off air, but I want to talk about next week. Um, 
the fact that we are approaching a decade since the London riots and I think it's quite an important moment to talk about given what happened over the summer yeah what happened almost 10 years ago what the learnings are how we've developed since then yeah we spoke a little bit last week but I think that'd be quite interesting that'd be really good actually I haven't seen so the um the small acts series has started hasn't it there's like five films yeah um uh and our friend Leroy is in one of about his life story. Been naughty, I haven't naughty. seen the first one, which came, which was on this week, wasn't it? So yeah. I'm gonna watch that. Um, well. You know, I've been um, I've been reading um, Obama's new book that came oh. out beginning yeah. of the week. Very, it's interesting, and it's. I mean, you know, my views on Obama kind oh, of. I hope it's going to change your views on Obama. Some days drone strikes, some days rights, humanitarian. No um, one's perfect. No one's stuff. perfect. No, definitely not Tony Blair. But I do think <laughs> that <laughs> it's interesting because it reminds me of our election in two fa- or our, our campaign in two thousand, yeah. where Obama talks about all of the bureaucracy and the bullshit that goes on in the local yeah. politics and how difficult it is yeah. to try and stay true to who you are. And these views and values that you say you have, and this new way of doing things, whilst having to navigate through politics, which always seems to have to make you question your morals at different yeah. points. Or just sometimes, you know, he got elected as a state senate. I don't want to get too much into it, or whatever. He yeah. got his first elected role was the state senator. And he only got that role because the lady that vacated the role that was supposed to run for um, Congress at the time ended up said, so she said, she said, okay, Obama, you can have my role. So she was in one for Congress, bigger office, but then Jesse Jackson's son, Jesse Jackson Jr. came in, won that seat easily. So she went to back to go try and win the old seat. So it was Obama right. versus the woman that vacated the seat for him. Right. And he, uh, he ended up getting that seat because just like in London, where you have to get 330 signatures, 10 yeah. for me. Most people don't even know that, by the way. But in, in where he was running for office, he had to get the same thing by each ward and his opponent didn't do all the forms properly. <laughs> By the fork by basically saying that she fucked up. Now let me take the office, which is very. God, I, remember, I remember those bloody signatures having to go around London trying to find ten people in the Barbican. Yeah, that <laughs> <and they> would <laughs> sign the forms. Yeah. I know most people don't know what you need to do to run. But no, no, ten signatures from each bar is part. So we for another day, innit? Well, let me know what you think when you finish your the book. So I will. It changes your views on Obama. I love Obama. I love Obama for some reasons. I dislike Obama strongly for many others. Yeah. But I'll let you know know how it goes. Yeah. All right. Well, have a lovely weekend. Um, Moving around your room or moving around your house again. How many more weeks we got of lockdown? Two more? Two more weeks? Yeah, let's count by episodes. Two more episodes. Two more episodes. That's like a Christmas song, isn't it? Four more sleeps or whatever it is to Christmas. Our <laughs> advent calendar we knew. That's All right. Okay. Have a good one, Oliver, and we'll speak next week. All right. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Bye.